Yo, there you go. Uh, that was great. I really enjoyed uh, Isaiah and Shawnee's energy. I was, said first service, uh, I knew about the announcements, but I was still excited. Like, wow, that's happening? Hearing them deliver it. Um, and they looked good, too. Great job, guys. Um, welcome, everybody. My name is Alvin. If you guys are here for the first time, I serve as lead pastor here at the church. And I'm, I'm excited to have you guys here with us. Um, today, we've got a lot of great things happening. As Pastor CC mentioned, we've got water baptisms happening directly after this service for everyone who is wanting to get water baptized. Uh, we've got a good amount that has RSVP'd, but we have extra towels and shirts and shorts and flip-flops for anybody that wants to get uh, baptized uh, kind of spontaneously. We welcome all that, too. So just let us know at the Connect booth the next step booth, I should say, and we'll get you situated, and you can get water baptized this morning, or this afternoon, I guess. It'll be around 1230, around that time. Um, also, we had a great back-to-school event for the teenagers yesterday. Uh, we've got a great youth team that uh, put in a lot of effort into it, and uh, I can't wait to hear more about it, but I love hearing what's happening with our teens. Our Create Camp was awesome the week before with the kids. Um, we've got a great event kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. As they mentioned, this Saturday we have uh, an elder from Church of the Highlands who is really over a lot of their prayer initiatives and he's coming to impart and inspire us as we embark on a month of prayer and fasting here at our church. So a lot of great stuff is happening. I'm glad you're here for it. Excited to get into the word today. Um, repeat these words after me if you can. Uh, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. And I like us opening up the word with that because you guys are going to be listening to a lot of words of the next few minutes. And it's important for us to not just hear the words before it to conceive something in our life, for it to produce change in our lives. And that's, that's my prayer every time I preach is that the word of God will become effective in your heart, in your life, and that because of that effect, you will then be effective with others as you leave these four walls. So that's the, that's the point of, of that time. And that really is tying well into the theme for this month. Um, for the whole year, in case you're new, uh, our, our theme is withstanding the wind, withstanding the wind. And that's the theme for all of 2022. And essentially, we as a church have been called to be effective. But Jesus is very open about following him and that it comes with a lot of obstacles and a lot of opportunities for, for discouragement and, and temptation. And these things want to rob us of our effect in our faith. And it's so important that as Christians, if we want to remain effective and be effective, there's a level of intentionality that's required. And, and you actually have to be more intentional about being effective you don't really have to be intentional about not being effective. That kind of happens naturally if you aren't intentional to be effective. So this year is all about us learning how to keep our intention and our, our, our focus on being fruitful and being effective in our faith 
so that the winds of our time don't, don't, pull, us, don't pull us away. Uh, the month of July, we're talking about the wind of futility, and that basically is the opposite of being effective. When something is futile, it is useless. It is without any effect, and that's the opposite of what God is calling us to. So we're learning how to remain effective and to avoid the tendency to become futile in, in this walk. The vision of our church at Nashville Life is following Jesus, building leaders. And that's, that's, that's the whole vision. That's how we kind of package the reason why we're here as a church. We want to follow Jesus and we want to build leaders. We want to make disciples. And, and that order is important because uh, if you try to make disciples and build leaders without following Jesus first... It doesn't work. It's actually through your following of Jesus that you will then have the grace and the, the equipping and the ability to build leaders. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so often we have to make sure that we don't try to fish for men without following him. You know, because it's, it's, it won't work. We'll be futile in our efforts. And there is a scripture that really uh, sets the tone of what I'm trying to share with you guys today, and it's in Matthew chapter 23, Matthew 23, and I'm reading from the 23rd verse to the 26th verse, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, woe to you, so it's not, not a great start, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He's describing a group of people that were ordained and set apart to represent God for their time, to be the writers and the speakers of, of God's word and God's way for their community, for their city, for their nation. And these were the people that were, were set apart for this task, this task of, of showing people the way of God and, and the, the, the mind of God and the, the law of God. He says, Hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites, and he puts an exclamation point at the end of it. And then he says, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Then in verse 24, he says, you blind guides. Wow. Straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Again, exclamation point. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. So he's not holding back in this passage. And, and really when you look at it, it's, it's an interesting rebuke because he's, he's pointing out right things that this group of people are doing. He says that they're tithing, which is right, that's biblical. He says they're cleaning stuff up and that's good to clean things up. But it's not so much that they're doing wrong things, but they're doing the right things in a wrong order. And the message that I'm really trying to communicate with you guys today is, is in a simple two words, and that is order matters. Order matters. And I said the first service, I'm not really a turn to your neighbor type preacher, but I really think today calls for a, like, look to your neighbor and say order matters. 
Now turn to your other neighbor and say, order matters. It matters. I don't think anybody here would disagree that it is good and right to take a shower or a bathe before you go outside in public. It's good for, it's good for your hygiene. It's considerate to other people. There's all types of reasons why that's a good idea. Um, I also don't think anybody here, no, I, I don't want to assume, does everybody agree that that's a good thing? Are we all on the same page with that? Okay, do you guys also agree that it's a good thing to like, you know, to get dressed and put on clothes before you go out to either work or church or really honestly anywhere outside the house you need to put on clothes? Um, but imagine if, 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 if I got out of bed and if you got out of bed and the first thing you did after you got out of bed is you put on your clothes to go out to work or go to church or wherever you're going, and after you put on the clothes that you need to put on for that day, you then get in the shower and, and you, you, you try to wash and, and then you uh, leave and you go to work or you go wherever you're going. That wouldn't be a good thing because your clothes would be wet, they would have soap on it, and honestly, your body still wouldn't really be clean because no soap actually got to your skin because it's actually on the clothes. And this is an example of two things that you're doing that are right, but if you're doing it in the wrong order, it really defeats the purpose of the process. And that's how Jesus was looking at the Pharisees. They were doing right things, but they were doing it in a wrong order, and it was making all of their efforts useless. And it was making their efforts futile, and that's what I believe the Lord is trying to make sure that we as a church don't slip into as well. We're doing right things, but maybe neglecting the order of sequence that it should be done and even the order of priority that it should be done. The past two years have been uh, interesting for the world. It's been uh, difficult for the church. And particularly the past two years, I've seen us do some, some good things. I've seen an increase in boldness. I've seen an increase in people being vocal about their faith and vocal about what they believe and vocal about what the Bible says is right and what the Bible says is wrong. And, and, and honestly, everything that I've seen has been right for the most part. And everyone's got a scripture to sort of back up what they're saying, which is good. We're called to be people of the word, and the scripture needs to, to back up the things that we stand for and the things that we stand against. And, and these things are right. These things are good. These things are even biblical. We see in the scriptures, uh, scriptures like Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 16. It says, Jesus said to them, go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. So you see that not only is it a Christian's biblical right, but it's actually a biblical mandate to go out and declare the truth and to have so much confidence in what you're preaching that anyone who doesn't believe according to the word, you've got scripture that's telling you that whoever doesn't believe the gospel that you're preaching is signing themselves up for condemnation. And anybody who believes what you're, speech, what you're preaching is going to have eternal life with God. And, and we've got, we've, this is right. 
This is right. This is a good thing. But while I've seen boldness increase and I've seen uh, people willing to talk or to post or to, you know, everyone's kind of really making their voices heard for causes that they stand for. And while I'm seeing an increase of these good things, I'm also seeing increase in division. I'm seeing an increase in hate and tension and, and things that are, that, are, that are actually bad. And, but, but yet they're, they're everyone's, everyone's right. Like when I look at this, it's like that's true and the Bible does say that. And this is true and the Bible does say that. But the overall effect is stirring up more. I mean, I've, I've, first of all, I'm not that old and I haven't. I've been saved, you know, since what, 2000? I've been kind of going for it, going for it since uh, 2009. But in my years, and, you know, take it or leave it as far as if that's a long time, but in my experience, I've never seen uh, so much division in, in, in the body of Christ. And I would even say including our community at Nashville Life. And I'm like, Lord, you got to help me out here because this person is right. Like, we do need to have, you know, more compassion. And these scriptures are in there, and this person's right because this says that this is an abomination, and the Bible says this is right. So, so what what is what is going on? How are we doing right things? But yet, I don't sense that we're being as effective as we're called to be. And this is where I believe the Lord led me, and that is that order matters. It is possible as a believer to do right things but to do them in a wrong order, and it therefore makes all the right things you're doing fall flat and be completely ineffective. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says in verse 3 through 5, he says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye. Then Jesus says, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I love this scripture, but not for the reason why some people use this scripture. A lot of times people use this scripture as a, a biblical way to say, you know, stay out of my business, don't talk about my life, only God can judge me, all that kind of stuff. That's not what this Bible is saying. It is not talking against correcting or bringing truth or, or pointing out a speck in your brother's eye. It's not saying that there's nothing in Scripture that says it's not your job. There's nothing in Scripture that's saying that you haven't been called to do that. It's saying you're going to be ineffective in trying to do that when you've got a huge log in yours. So it's not saying don't notice specks in people's eye, but it's saying you're going to not be effective in your efforts of correcting this person and that person if you've got a huge log in your eye that you're not dealing with first. It says deal with the log in your own eye, not because it's not your business what your brother and sister is doing. It's saying deal with the log in your eye first so you can properly and clearly help other people. So don't use this scripture as, you know, what I do is none of your, no, no, 
that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying you will not be able to be the proper help that you've been called to be for your brother and sister if you've got a huge log in your eye. And I think his language is actually very intentional because notice when he was talking to the Pharisees, he says, you're, you're focused on tithing, but there are weightier matters that you're neglecting. I would go as far to say that a log is weightier than a speck. It doesn't mean that the speck still shouldn't be there, but it means you are not even in a position to be effective in your efforts of taking that speck if you've got a log that you haven't dealt with first. Guys, order matters. This is not about what's right and what's wrong. This is about order. This is about the order in which you do right things. I believe it is right to notice a speck in your brother's eye and want to deal with it. But it is not right to deal with the brother's speck before you've dealt with your log. First Peter chapter 4, verse 17 through 18. It says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. That's right here. And if it begins with us first, remember we're talking about order. Order matters. If it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? So basically, if the ones who are called to represent me, if we're barely even <laughs> righteous, what hope do, are the people that are looking to us to see what righteousness is? What hope do they have? Now, there's, I want to talk about the word judgment because there's a judgment in Scripture uh, that we are called to, and there's another judgment of Scripture that we're not. I'm going to talk about what we're not called to first. There is a judgment that is reserved only for Jesus, and that is the final judgment about who gets into heaven and who goes to hell. And that is a judgment that I don't care how close you are with Jesus. I don't care how full of the spirit you are with Jesus. I don't care how anointed you are by Jesus. That will never be your role. Amen. That will never be your space. That is a, when people say that we're not supposed to judge, we're not supposed to use that judgment. That judgment is reserved for the king of kings and for the Lord of Lords. However, there is another judgment that we are 1,000% called to, and that is knowing what is right and what's wrong. Using our judgment to discern what is truth and what is not, what is right, what is not. Now, that is a judgment that we are all called to, so we have to understand there is a, a definition of judgment that is your responsibility, and then there is a definition of judgment that is not your responsibility. And the Lord has called us, if you look in Scripture, he's called the church to be a royal priesthood. We are called to be priests. I know you don't maybe think of yourself as that, but God sees you as a priest, as someone who is close to him, and through his, your relationship with him, you're able to bring other people into reconciliation with God because of your connection. That's what the priest did. The priest was tight with God, and because he was tight with God, other people were able to benefit via his relationship with God. So because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you actually have a priestly calling, and part of a priestly calling is to have judgment, to be able to be the voice of what is right and what is wrong. And the Bible shows us that the world is supposed to be looking to those who are the church to see what is right and wrong. If anyone has any confusion about morality, any confusion about which way is right and which way is not, 
the Bible says that they are, they, the world should be able to look at the body of Christ as a point of reference of what is right and what is wrong. We are the ones who are stewarding the judgment of God, the discernment of knowing what is right and what is wrong. You ever heard the term, use your better judgment? Well, Christians, we have the best judgment because we have the judgment of Jesus. We have the truth living inside of us. We have the spirit of truth, so we're able to discern truth and we're able to discern lies. And that's the beauty of the church. That's a huge honor that we've been given. But look at this scripture. In order for the people that I just described to accurately and effectively be in their position, first judgment has to begin with us. So the Lord is saying, and I've called you to be the decision maker on the world of what is right and what is wrong. But in order for you to know what's right and what's wrong for everybody out there, you have to first hear what's right and what's wrong about your own life. That's what he means why it's got to come to my kids first. My church have to receive my judgment first. Because if we haven't submitted to what's right and what's wrong for our own lives, how are we going to be in a position to tell other people what's right and what's wrong for theirs? Which is why order matters. He's not saying that we aren't called to tell the world what's right and what's wrong. But he says in order for you to be effective in that calling, you have to first submit to what's right and what's wrong about your own life. I'm a huge advocate for the authority of the church and for the impact that we're supposed to have. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. I'm a huge fan of the church, and I'm a huge advocate for our position. But order matters if we want to be effective. And I was looking at this principle and seeing so, you know, as I was preparing for the message, I was getting towards the end, and I'm like, man, this principle is all through Scripture. I'm seeing how, you know, God really kind of, gives it to the, the people that he's using to represent him first. And it's because they've gone through the process of their own rebuke and their own sanctification and their own correction that they were then uh, enabled to go out and administer that same ministry to other people. And I was seeing this theme, and have y'all ever heard me say, sometimes when I preach I talk about like we have different uh, sound bites or quotes that we quote in scripture but I've, I encourage us that when we have time to kind of just every once in a while read the scripture or the verse right before it or the verse right after it. And you'll just have a better, more accurate understanding of what God is trying to communicate. So earlier in this message, I had in my notes that I was going to read Mark 16, 15 through 16 that says, go and preach and go and tell everybody the good news to every creature. And whoever doesn't believe in you will be, what you're saying, I should say, will be condemned. And whoever does, and all that's in the Bible. And, and many of us, the past two years, have been standing on that. And I say, praise God. That's, that's a good thing. However, I was like, I'm curious on what verse is before verse 15. And I didn't know. I promise I didn't know. I was like, I'm just curious. It might be something that doesn't support my point at all. It might be something that's totally relevant, but I'm just curious. So I looked at verse 14, the verse right before he tells them to go out and preach to every creature. Verse 14 of Mark chapter 16 says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. 
because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And I'm like, that's it. That's the theme. Judgment has to first come to the ones that are representing God. I, don't, I find it by no coincidence that right before he launched these 11 disciples out into the ministry to preach with authority and to call people out and to do all the things that, 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 are, that, that the gospel does, to bring conviction and correction and healing and, and joy, all these things right before he launches them, he rebukes them for being full of unbelief and for having hard hearts. And we have to understand what the Lord is trying to show us in this. When he corrects you, when he brings judgment to your life, it's not a word of rejection. It's not a word of, of you're, not, you're not good enough. It's a word of acceptance. You're the very people that I'm calling to represent me. Therefore, you can't still have that disorder in your life. It's not a word of condemnation. It's a call of preparation. It's not a call of, con it's a call of you're amazing. I have given you the authority to bind and loose and to go and, and, and heal people from the sick and raise people from the dead. But you're not going to be effective in that calling if you still have a hard heart and if you're still full of unbelief. So he brought the rebuke, and the very next verse, right after that rebuke, he says, go. Have authority. And that's the beauty of the father. I used to hear stories about my grandfather and how he used to really discipline my uncles. And he'd have the belt, and he'd go for it, and he wouldn't hold back. But then within 15 minutes... They said he would be on the couch offering them potato chips and say, let's watch, let's watch a movie together. And, like, they'd be like, you just beat me. But it's like, but we're, let's, let's hang out now. I took care of that. Now let's be cool. Let's watch the new Western on the show. And, like, and, and, and they said they'd be like, like, this is the same person that just let me have it. But now... Yeah, take, I had to take care of that, but you're my son. We're going to hang together. We're friends. That's the father. Jesus says, I'm rebuking you for your unbelief, and y'all heard I was risen, and y'all didn't believe them. And I saw it. Like, Jesus goes, y'all heard. I've been telling y'all I was going to raise from the dead. Y'all heard that I was raised from the dead. Y'all did not believe it. And I'm calling you out for it. Now that we've taken care of that, go and represent me. Go and preach the gospel. Carry my authority. Carry my anointing. My prayer, my prayer is that we get to a place. I don't know if it's an orphan spirit. I don't know what it is. But I, I, my prayer in the name of Jesus is that our church gets to a point where we receive Rebuke and correction as a sign that we are called, not as a sign that we are thrown aside. 
guys, if we had our mentality of 2022 in the days of Jesus, we could have never even gotten to verse 15 because we were still upset that he said that we were full of unbelief. We would have been still hung up that he called us out for having a hard heart, that we missed verse 15, that he then says, now go and, and, and be, be my leaders, be my ambassadors. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. Second Chronicles 7 verse 14. Hallelujah. We use the scripture a lot, and it's always, it's always relevant. Um, if my people, God is speaking, so he's talking to his people. He's got people that are not his, and he's got people that are. He's talking about people that are his people. If my people who are called, so we've got not only are you my people, but I picked you. I actually called you. I saw you and said, I want her. I want him. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, I'm going to start backwards, and I'm going to work myself back. Um, Heal their land, that is the big effect. That's what effectiveness is. We have reached effectiveness as believers when our lives are a vessel for healing and reconciliation and positive change in in our world. Um, when we join Nashville Life, the order that we say that things go in, it says, first, he says, you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and the fourth step is make a difference. Make a difference. That's the sending part, the part where your life actually starts to change the external world around you, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your social circle, whether it's in your community, whether it's in your government, whether it's in the world. That's to make the difference. That's, that's, that's the goal. That's the goal. That is the effectiveness that God has called us to. But even in our church vision, make a difference is step four. And what I'm trying to address is that we have called people that are wanting to run to step four. And I want to make a difference. And I'm ready to heal the land. And I'm ready to get this world together. But step one, two, three have been neglected. Which are actually weightier matters because it's only by knowing God and finding freedom and discovering your purpose that you'll be able to make a difference. So when it comes to 2 Chronicles, it says, I will heal their land. That's the very last part of a lot of other words. And yes, I hear your heart, and I know that you want to see our nation healed and, and, and your community reconciled with that. And you want to see a godly worldview in the world around us. I hear you, but order matters. And I don't care how noble you, your desire to see step four happen. God is a type of God, but until you do one, two, and three, you can wish for four all day long, and it's not happening. He doesn't skip steps. With God's ways, step two does not happen until step one happens. D doesn't happen until C happens. That God order matters. So let's look at the order of seeing our land healed. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, 
first. Pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Now, I want to bring some encouragement to you guys, too, because notice that you can be called by God and still not be humble. You can be called by God and still be completely in wicked things. I think some of us need to hear that because the Lord sees us. If that wasn't the case, he wouldn't say if my people who were called by my name would stop doing wicked things. That means it's possible to be called by God and still be in a lot of wickedness. And God is the type of God that he sees you even in your wickedness and say, I want her. I, I want that, 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 you, the, the, the one that's, yeah, the one that's doing, I want him. That's good news. However, the reason why the rejoicing isn't as strong as it, as it could be is because there's a difference in being called and being effective. You can be called and be full of pride. You can be called and, and have all types of wicked practices in your life. But you won't be effective until that pride comes down. Until the wickedness, the wickedness that you're involved in, starts, you turn away from it. And when that happens, the Lord says, then you will be effective and you will see healing in your land. I see the sincerity. And I'm trying to tell you guys, you're, you're not wrong for, for wanting to see healing in your land. Just like the Pharisees weren't wrong because they were tithing. You're not wrong for wanting to see other people in your life set free and delivered. Just like the Pharisees weren't wrong for cleaning the outside of the cup. But order matters. You can't not clean, you can't clean the outside of the cup and neglect the inside of the cup and think that it's going to be effective. Cleaning the outside is still good, but not at the expense of cleaning the inside. Tithing is good. He says you should continue tithing, but don't tithe as a way to bypass justice and mercy and faithfulness. That's what he was talking to the Pharisees. So when it comes to you, yes, healing. You should want it. You should want to see that speck out of your, your brother's eye or your sister's eye or your mother-in-law's eye or in your, you know, you, you, you should want to see those things removed. But the Lord is saying you won't be effective in your desires if you don't deal with order and what should come first. Now, I was uh, wrapping up, and I'll just tell you, for our 21 days of prayer that we're about to start, we are partnering up with uh, Church of the Highlands in Birmingham as far as for this initiative. And we, liked, we really love how they laid out their, their 21 days of prayer and fasting. And they've become friends of ours. So we, uh, we, we've got the whole system together and what we're doing and how we're breaking up each part of the 21 days. And we're focusing on some things on week one and week two uh, and week three. And it was, I had finished this message, and I was like, I want to make sure I segue into the prayer initiative and share that with the church. So I just pulled up our plan, and guys, I was blown away. Just like I was blown away with verse 14 being so perfect to the message, I saw that our order for this 
21 days of prayer and fasting is the following. Week one, our prayer, our corporate prayer time and the scriptures that we're sharing is having faith in God. That's first. The second is having faith for our lives. And three, the third week is having faith for our world. And I was just, again, I started laughing because that's the exact order that I'm trying to talk about here. I'm trying to show us that, that first things first, it's got to be vertical. God, I have faith in you. You're my creator. You can do all things. You're holy. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, this is about me restoring my faith in you. And then week two is when you start to deal and have faith with your own life. Lord, show me the logs that are in my eye. Show me the hardness that's in my heart. Where are the areas of unbelief? Lord, what are the things that you're promising me that I forgot that you promised me? What are the things and the blessings that you've, you've given me that I'm neglecting? Lord, Lord, am I, am I believing that you can do great things in my life? Because believe it or not, guys, contrary to many people's belief, you can't have faith for the external if you don't have faith for what's even happening in your life. And this is something that we as Christians are very vulnerable to. People in ministry, it's very, it's very easy to get the order out there, get the order out of, out of whack. And the Trojan horse is, is uh, it's godly to serve and to put others before yourself and, and all of these things. So we get into wanting to see healing in our world, healing in our church, healing in our friend group. And we just start launching out to believing the best and the great things and having faith for everything that's happening outside of us. But the error of putting step three, of having faith for our world before faith for your own life, is if you don't believe that God is blessing you and try to believe that God is blessing others, it doesn't work. And I'm speaking to all Christians, but, you know, if you're a life group leader... If, if you serve on team, if you're a pastor, um, we have to be careful to not let that servitude stuff, which is biblical. It is biblical to put others before yourself. It is biblical to lay down your life for others. It is biblical to do these things. However, what I've seen is if we start to minister and try to have belief for others when we've given up on what he can do in our lives, it starts creating weird stuff. That's where codependency gets in. That's when it starts getting a little bit self-serving. And it, it's no longer service because it's really kind of scratching an itch in you. And, 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 and something it, it starts turning into something where... You're doing it because you want, you want God to like you or you want him to think that you're good. At, and it starts turning into something bad. And, and the thing about it is, is, I mean, it's an age-old kind of uh, example. Preachers use it all the time about the flight. When you're on the flight and the oxygen is out and the mask comes down and they want you to get the oxygen for yourself. And you put it on first before you help the person next to you. But I really do think that's relevant because, because the alternative is what I've seen is people 
trying to walk out their ministry and their help for others. And the reason why it's so easy for it to happen because it's biblical. There are scriptures that support why this is good. But order matters. Order matters. So past couple years, especially with all the stuff happening in the world, I've heard people saying right things, but you can tell that there's disorder in the way they're doing it because it's just, and I'm just using the oxygen example, um, the metaphor of the oxygen. It's like, it's like we sound like, oh, the Bible, the Bible says that this is, is, is wrong. And, and that's, we're fighting for air and we don't have air for ourselves, but we're trying to give air to others. And what we're saying is right. The Bible does say that's a sin. The Bible does say that's an abomination. The Bible does say that we should do this and we shouldn't do that. But if you haven't received the word of God for your own life, you don't have even the breath supply to accurately and effectively deliver what you're trying to tell other people. And I feel like the past couple years has been so much of that. And it's been right things. But it's coming out of a depleted voice of some. And it's like the Lord goes, you're doing the right thing, but you're doing it in the wrong order. Until you first receive that God can do exceedingly and abundantly things for your life, you're not going to be able to believe that God can do exceedingly and abundantly things for your friend's life or your sister's life or your, you know, life group member's life. And that's, that's, I was thinking, I'm like, Lord, because I feel for you. And I was like, Lord, and some of us have even prayed this to God, Lord, I'm doing the right things. Your word says this, and the Lord goes, yes, but I have to show you. And that's why he, I started with Matthew 23, because that's an example of people doing the right things, but in the wrong order, and it was killing any of their effect. Body of Christ, order matters. And I'm so excited for this prayer time, because I believe that we're going to have a week or a three-week period to really address the order in our lives and rearrange some things. I believe some of us have been doing some good stuff, but they've been jumbled up in a weird order. And the Lord goes, okay, I've got to take that and put that here. I've got to take that and put that here. I've got to take that. Oh, my gosh. So someone's like going to a chiropractor. It's like, oh, everything's in alignment now. Why do I feel so much different? Because things were out of order. So that first week, Faith in God. It's nothing but goodness of God. It's nothing but exalting God. That first week when we're praying together, I mean, I'm never going to say you can't bring requests to the Lord because that's not true. But it's really a time where it's like, Lord, before I even bring my request. And, I, and this, this is why this is biblical. The Lord says you can't come to God unless you first believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So before you bring your request, you have to first establish that, A, you believe in God and that he's good and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. That's what first things first. Is it bad to bring requests to God? Of course not. It's biblical that says bring your request to God. But it's also biblical to do first things first. You've got to enter his gates with thanksgiving. You've got to establish that God is good. 
You have to establish that he is real. You have to establish that he still wants to bless your life. You have to establish that he still wants to reward you for your diligence in seeking him. And it's once you establish your faith in God. That's all of week one coming up in August. Week two is when you start saying, Lord, i got to start reclaiming some promises that I've given up on you for. There's some things that I thought were going to happen that haven't happened yet. And, Lord, let's be honest, I'm a little bit bitter. I resent you a little bit. But let's, let's deal with that because I can't be effective for the world if I still have beef with you. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Let me, let, let me lay my heart on the altar. Let me restore my faith. I've got some jealousy. I'm hating on so-and-so, and I know you see that. I know you see all of it. So let's just deal with it because I know you see it anyway, God. That's week two. Week two is you getting your stuff right. You getting your heart right. And the beauty of week two is you're restoring God's faith for your life. So by the time week three happens, you got yours. You feel, you, you're, you, you're, your hope is restored. Your energy is renewed. You have faith for exceedingly abundantly things for your life. You're believing that God is. And what happens is ministry honestly should be God can bless you too. That's what ministry is supposed to be. Ministry is I'm blessed, and you know what? God can bless you too. But too many of us are doing things out of order, and we can't actually use the word too. It's like maybe it'll work for you because it doesn't work for me. And we're trying to minister out of this place of God can bless you, I hope, opposed to I am blessed. I am full. And if you follow me, and if you listen to me, you can be blessed too. It's all about the two. Ministry, you've gotta, it's got to be God can bless you too. So if you're depleted and if you're full of resentment and if you're full of anger and rejection and, you expect, and you're wondering why you're not being effective in your hope and healing for the world, you have to believe that it's happening for you first. So then when week three hits, you can actually be effective in praying for the. Now, Lord, since you've blessed me, since you've blown me away, since, I, since my cup of threatness is running over, God, give them some. Give, 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 give my students some. Give, give, give my neighbor some. Give, give, give the president some. Give, give, I want him, yo, my, my boss is so miserable, God. Lord, let her have a little taste of what I have. That's what praying and having faith for your world should look like. And the past couple of years, I can just feel it in my bones that the church, even our church, we have signed up for the healing of the external and neglecting weightier matters with our own lives. And I'm very excited to give a month of time for us to have the opportunity to readjust the order. Faith in God first. Faith for your life second. You've got to be able to breathe. Because if you're not breathing, you won't be able to declare the truth of God's word. I want to pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for being bringing clarity to your church, to this community. Father, in the name of Jesus, I feel so strongly that there are people who have been frustrated, 
because they want to see change. They want to see change that the Bible says that is supposed to happen. They're wanting to see things manifest in their world and in the people that they love and in the nation that they love and in the world that they love and the church that they love. And they're wanting to see your word manifest. They want to see these things. And, Lord, you're telling them that they are right to want that. You're telling us, you're telling me that it's right to want that. It does say that in the Bible. And it is right to desire those things. But, Lord, the big word that I believe for today is that order matters. Order matters. What comes first and what comes second and what comes third matters. Lord, and I just thank you that as we come across this revelation, we don't have to leave wondering how the order that you want things to go in. We don't have to wonder because your word makes it very clear how the order should work. And before we believe for anything external, before we believe that God will make a difference in us for anything external, we have to believe in what you're doing internally. You have, we have to address, we have to address what's happening in us. Lord, that's how you operate. I'm seeing in your word as I'm studying and as I'm sharing that you love the whole world. You love the whole world, but even with you, order matters. And you said, before I can deal with anything I want to see out there, I've got to first start with my house. Lord, we are your house. We are your vessels. We are your temple. We are your church. We are your sons. We are your daughters. And we see in your word as clear as day that you have an incredible calling for us. You've called us to things greater than our imaginations can even comprehend. You've called us to give an impact to this generation that even if we saw it, we would hardly believe it. Even Nashville Life, I, the prophecies, even from my parents, God, when they were pastors, you said that we would be leaders of leaders. We got so many words that we would, there's, I believe there's an apostolic anointing even on Nashville Life where leaders will draw from the well of what's happening here. Pastors and ministers, and it's, it's amazing. But Lord, as great as the calling is, if we don't submit to the judgment and to the correction and to the logs in our eyes and the insides of the cup that are still dirty, if we don't go through our process of, of sanctification and, yes, rebuke, we will not be effective. We will not realize the potential 
that we've been called to do or reach. So God, I pray that over starting today and all through August, Lord, I pray that we as a church would submit to the truth that order matters. Lord, I'm just excited for bringing alignment back into our lives. The pandemic and all these sort of things, it rocked us. And in the earthquake, certain things got rearranged. And Lord, it was like an earthquake. And God, I just believe that you are calling us to a time to set aside for you to bring order back into the right things that we're doing. And I believe it's going to be glorious. And I believe that the end will be like the end of that Chronicles verse where we will see healing in our land. We will see restoration. We will see the lost come into the Lord Jesus Christ. We will see the people who are oppressed by bondage be set free. All of these things you're so eager to do through us. But you have to do it in order. So I pray for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. Father, Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to every heart here. And speak clear, like loud. Speak so loud to their heart to where it is no question what it is you're trying to address. And when you address it, Lord, with them, Lord, let them not harden their hearts like in the days of the rebellion. Let them not fall into condemnation as, as if this is some sort of uh, kicking out. <laughs> But, Lord, this is not condemnation. It's preparation. Lord, let us receive it with thanksgiving. Let us receive it with faith. Let us receive it with vision, knowing that you wouldn't be spending your time convicting and talking to us if you didn't have something great on the other side. So, God, I pray, Lord, that everybody hears you speak to their hearts and that they will actually do what it is that you're highlighting. And then we can go. And go and be the ambassadors you've called us to be. Go and be the world changers that you've called us to be. Go to be the kingdom builders that you've called us to be. So I'm going to ask everybody to repeat these words after me. And whether you are, you identify as a non-Christian and you kind of want to take a step into Jesus and following Jesus, or you've been saved your whole life, I believe it is always relevant to reestablish the lordship of Jesus in your life. It is always appropriate to confess his, his name as your Savior and to repent of your sins. So I'm going to ask us all to repeat these words after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead 
on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you believe you've been called by God and accepted by God and will be effective in your calling, let's give them a shout to Jesus. Let's offer up a thanksgiving. Let's offer up praise. Let's do it. Let's do it. It'll humble us, but let's do it. We might not feel it, but let's do it. God is moving. God is working. Just say a thank you. You can just say thank you. You can clap your hands. You can shout. You can sing. Let's make a sound to show that we believe that God is here and that he sees us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God is good. And he's really fighting for us. He really is. He's fighting for us. He's so faithful. He's so patient. He sees us in our effective state and is willing to do whatever he has to do to help us get there. If you said yes to the Lord Jesus, congratulations. We have a texting system, and we're going to ask you to text the word BELONG to 77411. It's very simple, and it's just a support tool for you. It, it lets us know that you said yes to the Lord, which is great, but it also gives you some content that will help you in your journey with Jesus and scriptures. So text that for us. You can also come up front. We've got prayer uh, leaders that are going to be praying for anybody who wants prayer. We are here for you. Please don't be shy. We're here to pray for you. We're here to serve you. Um, we've got baptism starting right after I dismiss. And we're doing it outside. I pray it's not raining. And if it is, we're still going to go. Um, we have next steps next week. So I love if y'all want to hear more about the vision of our church, get more involved in this effective church. Uh, please come and, and hear about us, hear what we're doing. And then lastly, if you want to give, thank you in advance. You can give to the finance team. You can give online. You can give however you want. Um, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the word. I thank you for it producing fruit in our lives, for getting past the hard parts and getting to a part that's soft and a part that is receptive so that effect can happen in our lives. Lord, I thank you in advance for our great prayer meeting on August the 6th with Stu Winlow. I pray, Lord, that people come, Lord, at 11 a.m. to hear about how to cultivate a prayer culture in their lives and in this church. And, Lord, I lastly, thank you for the amazing people being baptized. Lord, I thank you for this decision. I pray, Lord, that you just shine your love on them as they go down the water and come up. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great rest of your day.